Welcome to the weekly Mission Red Bank podcast, helping the body of Christ build itself up together in love. Father, we humble ourselves before you, thanking you that your Holy Spirit is more powerful than anything resistant to you. We ask in the name of Almighty Jesus, by the power of your Spirit, and according to your will, Almighty God, silence, bind, and rebuke those things that are contrary to you, the devil, the flesh, the world. Let them have no voice and open our ears that we might hear and our eyes that we might see and make our hearts good soil so that our lives will bear good fruit. We pray through Christ. Amen. So for the past month, we've sought to grow together in an understanding and embracing of how the story of God and the people of the Bible is the root system of our narratives personally and all of our narratives corporately. As I've often said, you've heard me say, their story is our story. It's not just a catchy idea. We are reading of our spiritual ancestors. Now, to help us consider what this means for us, we've slowed down and paid attention to Stephen's address of the Jewish leaders and the people gathered with them in Acts chapter 7, noting some specific points, four so far and a fifth one today. First, we learned that God's promises are the bedrock of his people's faith, and that includes us. Their faith, our faith. God's, rock, God's promises are the bedrock of that faith. Then we learn that God being with us in the struggle, whatever that may be, in the suffering, is our greatest good. It's not even that the suffering ends or ends in a way that we like, but it's that he's with us in it. It's a perspective change. Then we talked about God sending deliverers to rescue his people and how this is supremely seen in him sending Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, his own son, to be humanity and creation's deliverer. Last week, I spoke to God's spirit kindly convicting us when our hearts are drawn to idols I made a mention of being drawn back to our proverbial Egypts like it happened in the time of Moses and how his conviction comes not as a shame but as a kindness meant to lead us to repentance. Today, we'll take a final look at our address of Stephen for this series and we'll consider this point and it will be a challenging one. So in the name of Jesus, I pray that all resistance will fall. God reveals Jesus through us when we love and forgive our enemies. God reveals Jesus through us when we love and forgive 
our enemies. Stephen's just told his accusers that they've missed God all along throughout history in many ways. Killed many along the way. You heard that in what Bill just read and, and then ended up just a few months in all likelihood before he said this, killed the long-awaited Messiah, Jesus. And he also lets them know that they've made an idol out of the temple. This has been a blow to their heart. But unlock what happened when the people were cut to the heart in Acts chapter 2 by what Peter preached and many repented, these are raising up in murderous rage. They're not accepting the truth. And they are viciously going to oppose it. Verse 54 says, when they heard these things, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. Would you put the first picture up for me? <laughs> now, no kidding, as silly as that looks, that's grinding or gnashing of teeth. It means that they looked that way at him. Put the next picture up, Haley. That's the same thing. The people had been so enraged and riled up and offended by the truth, they're turning on Stephen like animals. That's what's happening. That's what Luke is trying to communicate. But Stephen doesn't budge. You can take that picture down so that none of us passes out. <laughs> but he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Even in this moment when they're coming after him viciously, he stays the course, looking to God, walking and speaking in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit as he's being attacked. He looks into heaven. He sees Jesus at God's right hand and he yells, look. Jesus, the Son of Man, standing next to God the Father. And it only enraged them further. When we're committed to hatefulness and murder in our hearts, our rudders are hard to turn. This enraged them further, especially hearing him called the one they just crucified, the son of man. That's a political figure from the prophet Daniel. They would have understood that this was to be a descendant from David who would rise up and overthrow the oppressors. So he's pressing harder into their hearts saying, I see the one you killed and he has resurrected and gone to be with God. Their response, they cried out with a loud voice, and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're going to hear a lot more about him soon. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees... He cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. A terrifying scene of hateful, murderous rejection 
somehow resulting in an almost unbelievable picture of loving and forgiving and praying for his murderers, enemies. This man looked a lot like his rabbi, his Messiah, his king, Jesus. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Stephen had grown to embrace Jesus' teaching, taking it to heart till his actions, even in these awful circumstances, bore the fruit of forgiveness and love very much like Jesus on the cross. Father, receive my spirit. Jesus on the cross, Stephen there. Forgive them, they don't know what to do. Please don't hold this sin against them. Jesus on the cross, Stephen here. And as I considered this, this week I wondered, can this be said of me? Can this be said of us, collectively, together? Would we dare to become a people who forgive and love like this? Because it would be costly. I mean, the cost is in the story. Would we dare to be like Jesus. Whatever your answer might be, wherever that question takes you, consider this. God reveals Jesus through us. Yes, when we love and forgive one another, but Jesus is so revealed when we love and forgive our enemies. That makes us different than everyone else. And the persecution Stephen suffered and the persecution St. Luke's earliest readers were suffering, their responses could reveal nothing different about their faith or everything that's different about their faith. What are our responses to challenges to our sense of justice reveal? Challenges to our own safety Challenges to our own distinctives and things that we hold really dear but really aren't centerpiece things, but we let them divide us. What are our responses to those reveal and say about our faith? How much do we live what we say we believe? Jose Ramon Miguel Agustin Pro Juarez was a Mexican Jesuit Catholic priest. Born January 13, 1891, and unjustly executed on November 23, 1927, by order of President Plutarco Elias Callas. His father, Pro, walked from his cell to the courtyard in the firing squad. He blessed the soldiers then knelt. Would you put it up? That's him. 
That's the actual picture. Because Caius wanted to make sure that every detail of his execution was on public display. So he had detailed picture after picture taken, and I'm not showing the rest of them. But that's what he requested to do, was to kneel and to pray quietly. Declining a blindfold, he faced his executioners, executioners with a crucifix in one hand and a rosary in the other, and he held his arms out like this in imitation of the crucified Christ, and he shouted, May God have mercy on you. May God bless you. Lord, thou knowest I am innocent. With all my heart, I forgive my enemies. Then he shouted the cry of the soldiers in the Cristeros conflict or war that happened from 1926 to 1929. Viva Cristo Rey! Long live Christ the King. And they shot him. And when the initial shots of the firing squad failed to kill him, a soldier walked up and shot him at point-blank range. Multiple images, again, were posted in the newspapers throughout Mexico. It had the wrong effect. Caius hoped it would scare everyone off. The Cristeros went crazy and fought back hard. At Father Pro's beatification in St. Peter's Square, September 25, 1988, Pope John Paul II said this about him, neither suffering nor serious illness nor the exhausting ministerial activity frequently carried out in difficult and dangerous circumstances. To put that in context, the Mexican government in 1926 outlawed the Catholic Church in Mexico. Did you know that? When I say outlawed it, I mean the government federalists came and shut the places down. And many of the priests were hung in their own churches for coming and deciding to have mass. A lot of people don't know about this war that happened in Mexico. And it was because Caius was like unbelievably anti-clerical. He did not want anything of the church moving forward in Mexico. And Rome couldn't stop him. It took the people fighting back. And the Pope continued to say, frequently carried out in difficult and dangerous circumstances, wanted to give a little context. None of that could stifle the radiating and contagious joy which he brought to his life for Christ and which nothing could take away. Indeed, the deepest root of self-sacrificing surrender for the lowly was his passionate love for Jesus Christ and his ardent desire to be conformed to him even unto death. Brothers and sisters, unforgiveness and a lack of love for enemies paint a counterfeit religion that reveals something, someone other than Jesus. Such things eat at the soul of the church, they wound the creation, and we were not put here to resign ourselves to letting some counterfeit understanding of God or life or one another just 
eat us away until we die. We're the blood-bought sons and daughters of the living God, created to be his agents of loving reconciliation in the world until all things, things in heaven and things on earth, are reunited in his son to the praise of his glorious grace. That is our identity. We are the people of God. God's promises are the bedrock of our faith. God being with us in the struggle, in the suffering, is our greatest good because we are the people of God. And God sent his own son, Jesus, to reconcile us to him so that we might join him in his mission and be fully who he created us to be. To that end, his spirit kindly convicts us, leads us to repentance, and then God, through us, reveals his son. Through the body of Christ, reveals Christ through us when we love and forgive one another and when we forgive our enemies. It is not a negotiable point. As we come to a time of confession this morning corporately, may God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit help us who receive his forgiveness be conduits of the same. And may King Jesus be increasingly revealed this day forward as we love and forgive as we've been loved and forgiven. Amen. You've been listening to the Mission Red Bank podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to know more about Mission Red Bank or have questions about what you've heard today, you'll find us on Facebook. Grace and peace to you, and may God's blessings surround you.